Happy Tuesday, all things Montessori community. Hope everybody's having a great week so far. Jamie and I sat down this week and we talked all about the prepared environment. One of the most essential pieces of the Montessori elementary experience. Uh, We talked through all the details about it, why it's so important, why teachers spend weeks and months and even throughout the year making sure the environment is absolutely Uh, Well, it might not be perfect, but we try to make it pretty darn close to being perfect. Uh, So we talk all about that. We also touch on how to make sure your child has what they need uh, during quarantine um, and how to create a Montessori environment at home. Now, it's not going to have all the Montessori materials, but we just talk through the most important aspects. And it's it's really doable in the home. Anyway, it's super fun. as always, uh, we are so thankful for everybody. Um, I can't believe we're into September already. Crazy. We hope everybody's doing okay. Uh, I have exciting news. I got um, some All Things Montessori merchandise in the mail this week um, that I will be sending to our amazing patrons. So if you're a patron of us, thank you and watch out for a letter from Jamie and I. It's coming soon. Um, and, uh, if you want to become a patron, just like these amazing people, um, it's going to be linked at the bottom of this episode and thank you so much for your support. Um, and also follow us on Instagram and email us. That's the most important thing. Email us. If you have any questions, we would love to hear from you, especially in this time of uncertainty. We'd love to know what's working, what's not working. If you have any questions, anyway, we're always here for you and, um, we hope you enjoy this pretty great episode. Hey, Jamie. How are you? Doing pretty well. How's it going for you, Rachel? It's going great. I was just sharing with you the funny teaching thing I had today. I did um, illuminated letters and, uh, you know, there's nothing better than when elementary children are laughing uncontrollably. Um, It was so fun. So my day ended really, really nicely with a fun art lesson. Um, Yeah, so I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Um, excited are excited about our topic today Ooh, that we get to talk about. I know. Uh, an important, a huge, important part of our work. It is so important, and it's, um, you know, this when I I remember learning about it in training. I remember feeling like, you know, excited to get into the thick of, you know, the topic we're going to talk about. But I remember kind of being surprised at how much time it actually took uh, to put it all together, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And this is the the prepared environment, this idea in Montessori that that children are building themselves and therefore what we try to provide is a really carefully designed place for them to do that so that they can take from the environment what they need. Yeah. And I think, you know, one, one doesn't exist without the other in a, in a way, you know what I mean? Like the prepared environment and Montessori, how it is conducted by the prepared adult kind of work um, together to make it all happen. You know, um, it's not like you can have a prepared environment that's perfect and just like throw a child into it. Like, no, they're not going to know what to do. Right. Um, but it's a it's a really big piece of the puzzle. Right. Yep. And knowing that, like knowing that children 
you know, the learning is happening inside of them and knowing that they have particular sort of developmental characteristics that are that are prevalent depending on where they are in their development. Um, and, you know, we we work to provide an environment that will allow them to help teach themselves like we know they can do and they will do. And that, but also is really responsive to the characteristics that are, you know, firing at that time so that it, it, you know, that's part of the reason we call it prepared. (laughs) It's just that it's, you know, it's been thoughtful. We're, we're doing it intentionally, uh, thinking about responding to their, to their developmental characteristics. Right. So Um, let's talk about like the components of the prepared environment, um, because I think there are the obvious ones and then I think there are the not so obvious ones that can be overlooked. Uh, but that's just in my experience. Um, so we have, you know, just to start it off, we have, you have to put all the Montessori material somewhere, right? And you have to do it in a way that makes sense. Wouldn't you say? I remember setting up sections and thinking through and actually pretending I was a child getting work out and, you know, and just making sure it all organically made sense. You know, I think you want to take away those obs, the unnecessary obstacles or wait, oh, this wasn't as easy as I thought to get this or, oh, this is up too high or, oh, that material, that's, that would be weird if it was right next to that one or. Yeah. So I think a huge part of like what we do at the, especially, you know, at the beginning of the school year when we're in person, (laughs) right, is we think about, you know, we think about our classrooms and we spend a lot of time physically arranging the classroom. And I know that's something I, I, I rearranged every year, at least once a year Mm -hmm. uh, to just tweak things or try something new or add some you know, some, something exciting to the environment. So, um, so figuring out how to arrange it is important. And, you know, at the elementary level, there's not a strict order to put the materials on the shelf. So generally, like you're saying, you're going to think logically what makes sense for the children, generally group them according to their academic subject area, uh, and have some logical placement of things based on that, but the elementary doesn't have a strict order. Now, the primary environment is set up in a far more linear, Mm -hmm. um, you know, by the subject area, and then the order sort of of the materials on the shelf is pretty clear. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's that's one kind of difference in the elementary, but definitely, definitely considering um, what's going to What's going to make sense and also what's going to be attractive. Right. I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that that's such a that is such a big part of it Um, is the environment, quite frankly, is supposed to be beautiful, supposed to be enticing, supposed to be relatively clean, you know, and uh, and it's supposed to call to the child in a way that's like, oh, my gosh, I want to work with that so badly because it's just beautiful, you know. Yeah, beauty's a real important um sort of aspect of what we think about with the with the prepared environment for Montessori children mm-hmm. that we want it to be attractive. We want everything on the shelves to to be as beautiful as they can be. And we're going to apply an aesthetic more like you would decorate your home, not like I'm preparing this for children so it has to be sort of kitschy, right. you know, get 
stuff from the, you know, I don't know, strange, you know, decorations that that our culture makes for children. In fact, we can apply sort of our general aesthetic we would use in our own homes mm-hmm. for for our classrooms, you know, mm-hmm. carefully chosen artwork and artifacts and plants and other things that really beautify the the classroom. Yeah, I mean, putting your own personal touch um, is really crucial because it can be really subtle, but um, it does create that like home-like environment that will soon become, you know, the children's second home anyway. So you want it to feel comfortable right. and nice and a pleasant place to be. Um, and I have to be honest, after I took Montessori training and then I was in the classroom, um, it really changed the way I, I saw the world uh, and the, my spaces around me. Um, and it kind of changed how I set up my own home in a way. I really have just become way more thoughtful um, about where things go and how things are placed. Um, it makes a really, really, really big difference. It does. It it does to just the general sort of atmosphere of any space. Mm-hmm. And then in the classroom, you know, in particular, when you have 25 to 30 humans working in there together, mm-hmm. right. Uh, Knowing that everything has a clear place, that it's that it's carefully maintained and all of that is just it makes it much easier to work together. It sure does. Because yeah. you're not you're not tracking things down all the time and all of right. that. Um, that's why, you know, in a monastery environment, all things are also on a, on open shelves. Um, right. So that the children can get them themselves. And that's not how Montessori started when her work with children. Right. She, you know, she had things put away in cupboards mm-hmm. like we often do with uh, children, but she actually found that they, you know, they could get things themselves. And so that we do have everything out on on open shelves, you know, attractively displayed, beautiful containers, you know, trying as much as possible to eliminate um, plastic uh, or non-natural materials, you, you know, wood, clay, metal containers, other things like that, that, um, that are nat- natural mm-hmm. and, uh, and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and just a note here, um, you know, Goodwill, um, TJ Maxx. There are just so many little containers out there in the world that are not very expensive. Um, and they're still going to be beautiful too. Like I found some of the most gorgeous things at a thrift store or a yard sale or, you know, it yeah. doesn't, I mean, it's just always kind of be looking for some, for like those little containers, or I would always use, um, napkin holders or napkin rings or things like that to hold cards or, or, or certain things. Um, because, Again, when you're straying away from plastic and, you know, fake looking materials or just, you know, not well kept materials makes a really big difference because when you choose these things and you take the time and um, you you look for those beautiful things. And, and I wanted to say thrift stores because it doesn't need to break the bank. You know, it just needs to look natural no. and beautiful. Um, and what I'm trying to say is um, there's a level of respect that's then conveyed to the child um, that they're going to treat that material with care more so because it's beautiful. You know, that's the reason why we have glass in the in the environment um, because it's like a level of trust, you know, like, yeah, you're old enough to to use that or to carry that glass tray, of course, you know, and yeah, it might break, but that's part of the, you know, that's part of the experience. 
is using those real things. Yeah, they get real clear feedback right. of how they need to, you know, moderate their their movement or whatever when they when they experience that that something breaks. Right. And yeah, you know, going to thrift stores and other places is a great way to find unique little containers mm-hmm. and, you know, 50 cents here, a dollar oh, fifty yeah. there. Yeah. Um, you know, you can find a variety of things. So it getting into that habit of, you know, constantly being on the lookout for those kinds of objects that you can have to to beautify your classroom is just an important part of being a Montessori practitioner. Yeah. You know, yeah. stopping by another thrift store or, oh, let's pull over to that yard sale mm-hmm. real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just part of it. And also because things will they will break, yeah. especially in classrooms where children haven't been given that responsibility as much. And, and you know, so if, if it's a child that's used to only using plastic um, plates and plastic cups, they're, what they've been taught through that is that when you drop something, it doesn't break. Yeah. Right. Right. So that, you know, like they've had that repeated experience. So when they first experience something that is breakable, uh, they they like chances are it's going to they're going to break something because they haven't had the practice of being of, you know, moving and acting in a way that's going to keep something breakable from breaking. So you just have to be prepared. Those things will happen. You show them how to clean it up and you always have an extra little container or something around (laughs) to replace because you don't want children thinking there's a balance between helping them um, learn to be really respectful of the environment and take care of it. But you also don't want them ever to feel that the things in your environment are more important than they are as individuals yeah. or it, or more important than your relationship to them is. Right. Um, so, so it's always a balance of helping them um, take care of the environment, to be respectful of the things within it, but also that, you know, they can break things on occasion. That happens. I mean, w- I break things as an adult. Right. It's so. right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it happens. It's a part of life. Right. And then what do we do when we, what, what do we do when we break something? We clean it up. Right. It's not like there's no there's yeah. nothing that happens afterwards. You clean it up. You work together. Well, and honestly, sometimes I cry. Oh, right. Honestly, right. the other thing that happens is I cry when I break something. I broke my favorite platter mm. uh, a couple of months ago and I was so sad. <laughs> and, and, you know, and so that's the other thing, too. The children may have an emotional response. Right. Yeah. Um, and you might you might feel a little sad, oh, too. Yeah. And you can just ignore acknowledge and say, yeah, it's really sad. Let's clean it up. You know, we'll find something else we can use for this or we'll, you know, so we want to just, you know, just treat them like we would any adult who has that experience. But, but that's why thrift stores are great because you can find a variety of things that, that you're not like, it's not your, you know, your grandmother's China or something. I was just going to say, I would, I would refrain from putting something you care a lot about that's very breakable in the classroom because chances are, it might break, you know, I just think it's better if, yeah. you know, there are lots of beautiful things that you can find than maybe keep the family heirlooms at your house. <laughs> yes. Uh, but it's cool because when, you know, when something breaks in the classroom and then when, when you have to clean it up, um, I mean, Montessori children amaze me. Um, everybody's helping, you know, I've seen it multiple times yes. and it's, um, it's like a instinct. It's like, of course I'm going to help. It's, you know, it's not, I don't know. It's not even a question. Uh, it's really lovely. 
It's really great. Um, I've seen that on more than one occasion. It's pretty, pretty awesome. And that brings up like that's part of the psychological environment that we prepare. So there's this like physical environment that we really, you know, we can see Mm -hmm. and we're all struck by the different different classrooms. We like to visit each other's classrooms and see how things are set up or the the different containers you use or all of those things. And that is a huge part of a Montessori environment. Mm -hmm. But there's also this whole intangible psychological environment of this is a place where we can make mistakes and Mm. it's safe to do that. Mm. Um, It's, you know, you can take risks and fail and that's okay. Right. Right. You, you, you know that you're loved and valued. You know that um, you're going to be treated with respect and you're going to treat others with respect, that this is a place we work. Like all of that is some of the, the psychological, Mm -hmm environment that we also have to prepare sure, as well. Sure. And that's what you cultivate uh, throughout the whole year. And you really harp on that in the beginning. Um, because as we've said before, it's really hard to backtrack if we don't set set kind of the culture of work and those sort of expectations up front. It's hard to make up for that. Um, and also, you know, just to add, though, it's it's a it's a place to make mistakes. It's a place, you know, as you were saying, but it's also a really it's a safe place and it's a place to have fun and to be yourself too. Um, yes. And that's just lovely. It's great when the children, I mean, I think all of my students that I've ever had always when we'd go on break or even sometimes the weekends, they would be disappointed that they couldn't come to school on Saturday. And I would say, well, I'm not going to be here, <laughs> but <laughs> you right. can try to get in the door. <laughs> But, the, but I need a yeah, break. But I, yeah, I will not be <laughs> attending school. Um, no, but, you know, that just that says to me, though, that, you know, they did find home and safety and uh, security in the in the environment. And that's another really, really important piece of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to talk about the one that uh, the part of the prepared environment that always gave me trouble. Um, it's it's sort of silly. Um, I always struggled with the supply shelf um, because I think it's the (laughs) it's really important, obviously. And it's also the most that's it's it's going to get the messiest the most in my experience because people are constantly using it. Um, But I think the supply shelf um, that should be a place where a child can go and either if there's something not there, they can let somebody know. Or if they go, then they should be able to get what they need at the supply shelf. Um, But it always gave me trouble. And it was one of those things I kind of discounted. My first year, I did not have all the supplies I needed. And I just kind of felt like I was constantly playing catch up with that silly supply shelf. (laughs) (laughs) It's so random, but it was just like my kryptonite. I don't know. I just like couldn't ever get it right, you know? Yeah, well, and I think it's a good one to think about like now when we're helping a lot of families at home have environments Mm. for distance learning, because, of course, you know, at home you can't have the, you know, it's impractical or impossible to have an entire, you know, classroom with all the Montessori materials. But even in a classroom with all the Montessori materials, we have some other, you know, um, resources that are the kinds of things you can have at home and supply shelves are some of that. And you can, I think you can think about supply shelves in a 
couple of ways. There's like the general everyday supplies the children, like consumables or other things they just generally need, like different types of paper, uh, construction paper, booklet paper, hole punches, staplers, erasers, pencils, color pen, you know, like all of what else is on that supply shelf? Like, um, Um, I mean, well, you should have an art supply shelf too. Like it's like art supplies and then regular, like, you know, every day. Oh, I guess like any kind of math paper. Yeah. Yeah. And Um, the math paper could be on a supply shelf or it could be on the math shelf. Um, I've done both. Also a science supply shelf. So like, Mm -hmm where you've got all your consumables and your materials for science, you know, experiments and demonstrations. Right, right. um, But to have these sorts of places where it's the, it's the, it's consumables or it's those, those office things you just always need. Like I need to have the tape dispenser or the whatever, you know. Right, right. Those different, um, different things and the and that's something that's really important in the classroom um and then also can be really important at home for independent work so that the children can do projects when they're ready because they know they've got the supplies available they don't have to the we just don't want the adult to become the bottleneck to their activity and that's where the supply shelves can allow them that independence to you know any kinds of activities without having to without having to get an adult to get something for them well there's also nothing worse than and this has happened to me where a child is like really excited about doing something and then they go to the supply shelf and like they're out of it or you know they don't have it or they can't figure it out or, or and then it's just like it's like stunting that you know it's like stifling that flame that was just there and I'm right. like, oh no um and that's it's the worst so you just want the experience to be organic and that when they have that idea when they get that really awesome thought about oh I wonder if I could do that it just needs to be able to be followed through that's what the supply shelf basically is you know it's just the it's the catalyst for their great big work they're gonna do you know yeah so it's yeah it's all those materials they may need like papers and whatever else, or maybe it's stuff to help them organize. And it's the paper yeah, clips and staplers right. that helps them get their things put together. Um, mm-hmm. And I generally had one, like one shelf for general supplies, office supplies. I kept the toolbox on that shelf too. And then mm-hmm. I had an art, well, several kind of art supply shelves. And then... right. Um, and then some science supplies as well. And, you know, it's okay mm-hmm. to have limited amounts out of some of these things on a given day sure. so that you can kind of moderate how, mon- how much is being consumed in a day or you have a better eye on it, you or your oh, assistant. Yeah. Um, and there, and it's okay to have some supplies that are not out all the time in certain classes. Oh, sure. I have not had calligraphy ink out available to be used at any time because it was, you know, I had a young class that couldn't handle the responsibility of that ink, you know, so. Right. right. (laughs) Um, And I wanted, I mean, they could with some supervision and I would, but I didn't necessarily want them to have it when I didn't know they had it. So. um, Yeah, of course. You can make some of those decisions depending on your, 
on your group, but as much as possible. My version of that was was watercolor paper uh, because, you know, we just were doing very quick watercolor paintings. Um, and the watercolor, I mean, watercolor paper is not cheap. So no. I was just like, okay, we're just gonna, you know, we're just gonna put a few out at a time and that's fine. And that's, that's part of the role of the adult, you know, that's, that's answering the needs of your community and helping it run smoothly and also just providing some limits, you know? Yeah. You know, the so. other thing I did with watercolor paper is cut it into really small pieces so that when they were I just doing too. like those yeah. little you know, I'd do a little three by five. Well, take out that three by five card and you can practice your strokes or you could practice making something, you know, so that they could. Yeah. Because of course yeah. we want them to have it because it's such a different experience course, using watercolor yeah. paper versus just regular paper. You know, it's. Oh, what, definitely. Um, yeah. So it's a constant, constant balance like that. And that's what we have to use our judgment on all the time, which is why in the classroom is as guides in the classroom the trained guides have to be really intimately connected to their prepared environment. Um, mm -hmm. Constantly kind of walking through it on a daily or several times a week basis to see what's, what's what, what's needed, what's broken, what's, what's uh, missing. Uh, you can't relegate all of that to an assistant. An assistant can help with right. that. Sure. Right. But the assistant isn't trained and doesn't have the knowledge in quite the same way. So it's still a really important for guides to, to, to really check their environments, ideally on a daily basis, you know, before the day oh, starts yeah. or at the end of the day when the children are gone. Right. Or maybe you'll see, this has happened to me. I've seen like a shelf or something um, that hasn't been used in a while. And then I'm like, okay, well, why? You know, is it because I haven't, you know, given a lesson on that in a while? Is it dirty? Is it not easy to use? Does it not make sense? Like there are definitely tweaks and things you can make. I mean, I don't recommend just reorganizing your classroom like all the time because the children are going to be really thrown off by that because they get really into their classroom. I mean, I think if something's not working, definitely, you know, mix it around. But I mean, this might have been a little bit too much, but if I needed to fix something or move something, um, I'd usually just sort of give the kids a heads up. And now it wasn't a big deal. It was like I would move a shelf, you know, somewhere else or something. Um, but I just, you know, I've, I've, I made the mistake of really reorganizing one day and then the children came in the next day and um, they were young. So I think just the sense of order was still kind of prevalent with them and they just completely freaked out. <laughs> They're like, wait, well, what? what happened? No, I mean, it's a really good point because not only even with the older ones, my philosophy on that is that it's this is not my classroom. So once right, exactly. like I prepare it before school starts, but once school starts, it's it's our classroom. And so if I notice yeah. something or I want to make a change, I'm always going to give them a heads up or even ask yeah. their sort of thoughts on it, depending on yep. depending on the group. Yeah, because it just yep. shows them that this isn't, you know, it's in the same way that I didn't have like a teacher's desk and a teacher's chair and all of these other right. things like like I was right. special and, you know, better than the rest of them in the environment. I always, yeah, um, I had a spot to park my stuff, um, you yep, know, and but I didn't have a, a desk and a place that I sat. Um, because that's not how anyone else works in the environment. So why should I right. be different? And so I was always, right. and I never had a lesson table either for that reason. I always gave lessons 
throughout the classroom. I understand right now in COVID, some people are making that shift because, oh, sure. because yeah. we have to be so careful. So I, you know, if yeah. you're doing that, don't panic. I'm not, I just, but <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> but in general, when we're in a normal sort of environment, I like to show the children that all parts of the area of the, all parts of the classroom are a place where I work, just like all parts of the classroom yeah. are where you work. So I gave lessons on the floor and on the table and in this corner and at that table and, and all over the place. And I have to, I mean, I did the same thing. I mean, I'm, I was trained by you. So I learned, I learned that from you. I remember you talking about that. Um, and I remember trying out a few things, like maybe one day I was feeling like a little bit lazy or something. And so I was like, okay, I'm just going to give lessons at this table. It is so boring. It's not as fun. I felt like it didn't, it wasn't the same experience. So I completely just threw that out the window because when you're giving lessons, um, outside on the floor at a table, you know, at a chow key, like whatever you're doing, um, it really adds to the experience. And again, yes, you're the guide. Of course you are, you know, we, obviously like you are in you are in charge you know because it's it is you know you are implementing you are showing you know you're the Montessori guide you're doing the 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 education piece but when you get down to their level like that that sense of respect that trust um not only is it gonna you know the children are going to you know listen to you a little bit more and just be more into the lesson but it also just it shows them like yeah we're all here to learn together like I'm not just here to just talk to you like we're here to learn together and do all this stuff together it's more collaborative yeah um I find that Montessori children love working on the floor love it and so I was just going to say you know when you're preparing your environment make sure you have space for you know maybe a group song or something or a group meeting but also plenty of space for the kids to work on the floor um because they love it, in my experience. I mean, my kids did. But. Yeah, you want to try to make sure you've got floor space for any number of things, to, you know, especially like timelines or checkerboard. Yeah. There's a variety of things that work well on the floor. And I never had a very large classroom. My, I had three different classrooms, well, two, I guess, that, and they each of them was below under a thousand square feet. Um, and we had to have all their like cubbies and coats and shoes and yeah. everything like that in the classroom too. So that I didn't have a hallway. Um, I, I right. walk through some schools with hallways and just in awe of what that's like to have that space. But um, because I never <laughs> did, <laughs> I'm like so right. envious. Um, and so we didn't have a constant open space for uh, even, you know, the whole class to sit together or sing a song or anything. So when we we mm. had to be very intentional when we were going to have yeah. the whole class get together, which, by the way, does not have to happen every day that the whole class sits down together. No. Just no. No, this no, no, is no. something I no. see. And I don't know why people do it because there's really no reason that every day you would need to get together as a group. But mm -mm. when we did get together as a group, we'd move tables. <laughs> we'd move tables out of the way and make oh, space nice. so that because otherwise when we'd sing at times, we didn't have to sit in a circle. You know, we'd kind of group together however we could or but if we needed to sit in like a circle and be together as a group, then and even sometimes for read aloud when they would, you know, sprawl all over the floor, we'd have to move tables to make the space for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah you know, you just every classroom, I, I don't know, in my experience, no classroom is going to have 
exactly everything that you want. There's always going to be a few things that you really have to just sort of work around. Um, and it's doable. You know, I mean, I have all, I always, what I envisioned for my elementary classroom is that there would be a door to go right outside. Um, I practiced taught in this classroom where that was the case. And I was like, this is the coolest thing ever. This is one of the things I must have. Um, I never had it. Um, and it was fine. <laughs> yeah, it it was not a it was not a big deal. We we totally made it work and we did have a nice outdoor space. We just had to, it just took a little bit longer for us to get there. So it's it and I, out, you know, and I had a door to the outside, but the outside was like a little sidewalk. And then it was our parking lot. Um, right. And so, <laughs> right. so it wasn't right. <laughs> and we didn't have an outdoor space attached to my school. So we had to cross a busy street to go to a city park. Mm. Um, but mm -hmm. you still can you can make do with that. Right. I mean, I taught for 10 years right. there right. and we we could make that work. There's all sorts of yeah. there's the ideal, I think, that we try to project on training courses simply because we know that it's impossible. You know, it's not possible to always achieve the ideal, but we want you to have the, the sort of sense of what you can be working toward and the basic principles right. so that you can then make the compromises, you know, like use your judgment to make the compromises you have to make in your own individual uh, environment, you know, uh, but keeping exactly. in mind, you know, you're going to keep in mind the the principles of like beauty and order. So it's organized that that we've kind of talked about that it's um, that it's limited, you know, so that's the other sort of thing that we we really try to keep the environment prepared with just what what the children need. Just as what keys. they need. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that right. means sometimes yep. something new might visit the classroom, but it doesn't have to stay on the shelf all the time. And in the same way, when when a material is no longer needed in your classroom because everyone's done with it, then you can free up that shelf space, too, uh, as well. You know, so we can we can keep be really thoughtful, but we just want to limit we just want to limit our environments um, yeah. so that yeah. children go out. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, they shouldn't have the answer to everything within the classroom. That is no. not what we want. Uh, it is to inspire and then yes, of course, to go out. And I just have to touch on that, you know, I know the, that everybody's prepared environment, whether it's one, you're helping parents cultivate at home because you're distance teaching, or if it's if you're in the classroom, but you're masked and everything has to be spread apart and sanitized and, ugh, um, you know, I know that a lot of you have just been, you know, carefully thinking through all of this um, and the prepared environment is just going to look a little bit differently, but there are still those elements like you were just saying, Jamie, the limiting, the beauty, the calling to the child, the organization, you know, of, you know, your personal touches that can all still be there even in this bizarre time. Right. <laughs> but, yep. And to, I think at, recognize that, um, you know, the children aren't used to just sitting in one, you know, Montessori children are not used to just sitting in one yeah. space and working all day long. And so right. depending on how things are going either at school or at home or how just having that and keep that in mind and try to think of ways children can have more than one space to work wherever they are. And I know it's hard. Oh, for sure. I know it's really hard right now. Um and I know the limitations, but, you know, being creative, you know, we're seeing such incredible creativity of how people are adapting mm, to this new reality. So just offering that, you yeah. know, ways to be 
you know, creative and allowing children to work in a in a variety of spaces, but especially at home, you know, don't feel like you just yeah. have one a desk and a chair and that's where your child's going to sit all day. Like, right. They should right. be yeah. on the rug or out in the yard or any number of things as well. Absolutely. I Yeah. I mean, I, I think if you can go outside, try to do a lot of outdoor stuff. Um, you know, it's it we're entering a pretty temperate time. Um, so there should be lots of opportunities to to get outside. Um, and that that is a lot less stressful um, in terms of COVID and things like that if we're outside in the fresh air. So, yeah, I mean, oh, best of luck with everybody in their prepared environments. And again, don't be afraid to to look at it, to critique it after, you know, you might have worked so hard on it all summer. And then now the kids are there and you're like, hmm. I really need to move this one piece. <laughs> yeah. It's okay. You know, it's it's all okay. You're just going to respond to the to the needs of the child because, you know, frankly, you didn't know until they got there. And we never do. So. Yep. Yeah, so have fun with the prepared environment and yeah, if you have any questions or want to share pictures mm. with us, we'd love to see that uh, and see what people we are totally doing. We totally would. Yes, we totally would. I actually quickly I saw this picture. I think it was on Instagram. I cannot remember whose it was, but, um, they were using yoga mats as, um, uh, the children's kind of workspaces on where to keep their work as a, as a social distancing thing. Um, I thought that was a really great idea. Um, low cost, you know, yoga mats aren't that expensive, um, and a way to, to kind of keep the children, even though I know it's hard for elementary children to be separated. Um, I just thought that was kind of a neat idea of how each child can, you know, be in their own little space. But um, and a comfortable like on the on the floor, you know, where they want to work. Yeah, that's great. That's great. I mean, yeah, it, it was, is the picture was super cute. Such tough times right now for everyone, but hopefully you're managing, mm-hmm. you're creating it or help creating spaces for them or helping their parents create um, some nice spaces for them to work and uh, keeping in mind the importance of that that space for for children's development. Mm-hmm. 